Genesis chapter 9 verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And remember, this command has never ended. God has always wanted people to multiply. All the talk about there's too many people on the planet and you shouldn't have too many kids. All that talk is evil. It's against God's will. We are supposed to be married when we have kids, but we're definitely supposed to multiply. But that doesn't mean that it's evil to be single because many of the heroes in the Bible were virgins. And we'll talk more about that another time. Two, and the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all wherewith the ground teemeth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. So what this means is, God is now giving mankind permission to eat meat. Before the flood, we did not have permission to eat meat. And so when people killed animals, it was a sin. It was part of that violence that God hated because people were killing people and people were killing animals and animals were killing animals. And that was why God destroyed the earth was because of the violence. That's what we read about a couple of chapters ago. He, he hates violence. He hates killing. But now he's decided two things. We read in the last chapter, he decided that even though he knows we're going to keep sinning, he'll never send a flood again because it would just be too much for us to bear. So he's never going to punish us as a world for violence again because he'd just have to keep punishing us over and over. He knows we're not going to stop. And now, after the flood, he's now giving us permission to eat meat. Now the people have permission to eat animals, and the animals have permission to eat animals for survival. But he's put in a clause there, which is so kind and loving toward the animals. He says, from now on, they're going to be afraid of you. So before the flood, the animals were not afraid of people. You, you notice when Eve talked to the snake in the garden, and I don't know if animals really could talk in the garden or if that snake was just able to talk because he was possessed by the devil. But nevertheless, in the Garden of Eden and before the flood, animals were not afraid of people. But ever since the flood, animals have this instinctual fear of us because they know we might eat them. So this is God putting in a protection for animals so that we can't just slaughter them right and left. We'll actually have to work We'll have to hunt to get our, get our food from them. And so the fact that we have to work at it means that they won't just be getting slaughtered senselessly. That we'll actually be eating them when, or killing them when we, when we want to eat them. So it's really great that God did this. And this is why deer run when they see you and bunny rabbits run, run away when they see you and birds fly away when you get too close. It's because of this verse. This is when God put the fear of us in them. To save most of their lives. 3. And every moving thing that liveth shall be food for you, as the green herb have I given you all. So in the beginning, God only gave us herbs and fruit to eat, us meaning people. And then he gave herbs to eat for, the, for all the animals. But now he's allowing everybody to eat meat. So it is not a sin to eat meat. For only flesh with a life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. So God says the only thing that it's evil to eat is if something has the blood in it, if something has a life in it. So eating, like eating something alive is evil. 
and we're not supposed to eat fresh blood. It is not only gross, but it's against God's will to eat bloody meat, uncooked meat, five. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man, even at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Um, so this means that when animals are killed for food, God won't punish the person who kills them or the animal who kills them. But when humans are killed for any reason, God will punish whether an animal kills the person or a human kills the person. 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And we talked about being in the image of God before. It doesn't mean that we're male and female because God made the animals male and female too, and they're not in his image. So male and female has nothing to do with it. And God himself is not male and female. He's only spiritually male. He doesn't have any sexual organs. He doesn't reproduce. So male, the whole point of male and female is to allow animals and people to reproduce. God doesn't reproduce, but he's only male because it, he it's a spiritual context. Male means one and female means many. There's only one God and there's many of us. So Christ's church is female. It's called a bride, even though a lot of men are in, in Christ's church. But mankind as a whole is female spiritually in reference to God, who is male. He's the leader. He's one. And that's why Males represent God in that limited sense that they represent the one, the leader. Um, and females represent many. And that's why females have babies. And, and you'll see anytime women are mentioned in any of the literature, the Bible and all of other literature, anytime females are mentioned, it's always many. For instance, when the knight in shining armor saves the damsel in distress, He's not just saving one person. He's saving the entire community. When he saves her, he saves his future as well, which is his children, because she's going to have his children, right? They're going to get married and she'll have his children. So he's saving his future and he's saving the future of his community. So he's saving many people. And then you see in Revelation examples where female is many, such as the whore in Babylon in the book of Revelation. Um, she's the whore sitting on many waters, and she's evil, but she represents many people in many nations who are apostate against God. So anyway, this is a constant theme throughout Bible and all of literature. Male is one, female is many. 7. And you, be ye fruitful and multiply, swarm in the earth and multiply therein. So again, he's telling man to be fruitful, to have children. 8. And God spoke unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, 9. As for me, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. 10. And with every living creature that is with you, the fowl, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that go out of the ark, ev even every beast of the earth, 11. And I will establish my covenant with you, neither shall all flesh be cut off, any more by the waters of the flood, neither shall there be any more a flood to destroy the earth. So this is the second covenant in the Bible that God makes. We read about the first covenant in previous chapters, but this is the second covenant that God has made with man. And it's where he promises never to send a flood to destroy us again for as long as the earth 
is alive, but you know that in the book of Revelation, fire comes to destroy the earth when it's time for the earth to be destroyed. 12. And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I made between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. 13. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. 14. And it shall come to pass when I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the cloud. 15. That I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. So we have small floods here and there, but we'll never have a worldwide flood again. And he uses the rainbow to show us that he will never flood the world again. So this shows you that the rainbow never existed before Noah's flood. It was only in existence after the flood. It didn't exist when the rain started. It didn't exist during the flood. It didn't exist during all those months that the boat was on water and during the time that the boat was resting on the mountains of Ararat. The rainbow finally came into existence after they left the ark and God made this promise to them. So a rainbow is not a random thing. It was appointed especially to remind God that he doesn't want to flood us anymore, destroy the earth by flood. It never existed. Even though there was plenty of rain and clouds before the flood, it did not exist before the flood, which is pretty amazing. So the rainbow is to say that even though we're sinners, God won't destroy the earth by flood. But the, the sad news is one day it'll be destroyed by fire. So when you wave a rainbow and you're living in sin or apostasy, you're kind of bringing a curse on yourself because you're saying, nah, nah, God won't flood me. But the problem is God is going to send fire in the end of the world. He is going to send fire. So we need to be honoring him and obeying his laws. 17. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. So the rainbow is for the animals too. 18. And the sons of Noah went forth from the ark. 18. And the sons of Noah that went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Ham is the father of Canaan. And it need, it tells you that Ham is the father of Canaan because you're going to need to know about that later. And I'll talk about that more in the next chapter. But remember, Canaan is where the Canaanites come from. And the Canaanites were enemies of Israel. And they were evil people. And they wor- they did evil things. They worshipped false gods. So remember that name, Canaan, because it's going to come up later. And it's a very important name in the Bible. It's a name of the enemies of God. And notice that Canaan is the son of Ham. Because Ham is going to get in trouble in in this chapter. We're going to read about it. 19. These three were the sons of Noah, and of these was the whole earth overspread. Now I want to point something out before we go any further and talk about Shem and Ham. Some people who are very misled think that when God put the mark on Cain, who slew, who killed Abel, that that mark was that Cain was black. And verse 18 and 19 of this chapter show us that that is not true because all of Cain's descendants died in the flood, every single one of them. Nobody who came from Cain lived in the flood because Noah was a descendant of Seth, who is Adam's third son. 
Cain was Adam's first son. Nobody, no, none of Cain's descendants survived the flood. They all died. And most of Seth's sons all died in the flood. It was only one family that descended from Seth that survived the flood, which is Noah's family. So there's no way that the mark on Cain was him being black because we have black people all over the world today. So the black people who live today descended from the line of Seth, not the line of Cain. So that throws that theory totally out of the water. It is not true that the mark on Cain was that he was black because we have black people on earth today and not one of them are descended from Cain. They're all descended from Seth. 20. And Noah the husbandman began and planted a vineyard. So Noah became um, a wine grower. 21. And he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. So this is why God does not like drunkenness, because when you get drunk, you do evil things. It was it was actually wrong for Noah to be naked. He's, he wasn't supposed to be naked, but he got naked because he was drunk. So that's why we're not supposed to be drinking. 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. So Ham, who was the oldest son, and we'll find out later that Ham was the oldest, he looked at his father naked and he went out and tattled and basically humiliated his father by tattling on him that he was naked. And Ham may have even been trying to entice his brothers to go look at his father and basically mock him, make fun of him, humiliate him. A lot of people blow this up into some sexual thing and say that Ham raped his father. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible is only showing that Ham thought it was funny that his father was naked. And that's evil. We're not supposed to we're not supposed to laugh when other people are humiliated or in sin or incapacitated. For Ham to mock his father and tattle on his father was really, really evil. It showed that he had no kindness in his heart. He had no humility. He had no respect in his heart. And God says later in the Bible that he hates people who mock. And so that's basically what Ham is doing. 23. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. So they understood that for their father to be naked was not only a shame to their father, but it was a shame to them as well. And so they covered up his nakedness without looking at him. Now, Ham, first of all, shouldn't have been in his father's tent knowing that his father was drunk. He could guess that maybe his father was incapacitated and needed privacy. But knowing that his father was drunk, he went in there anyway. And then he stared at his father and gaped at him. Then he went out and tattled to his brothers and tried to entice them to go and gape at him. Ham was totally in the wrong frame of mind, but Shem and Japheth did the right thing. They covered their father up without seeing. They walked backwards with a blanket. 24. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done unto him. Because you know how when you're drunk, you know what's happening, but you can't control it or stop it or do anything about it. So when Ham came and, and gaped at him and, and made fun of him, Noah may have been conscious, but not able to move. 25. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Now you might say, why is Noah cursing 
the grandson Canaan when it was his son Ham who committed the sin. Because as you and I understand, your children are your life and your children are your future. So he was cursing Ham's future. Ham had no future anymore. 26, and he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be their servant. But he says that Canaan will be servant to Shem and Japheth. Now again, a lot of people use this and they say, well, then Canaan had to be, or Ham must have been black <laughs> because, um, because of black slavery. But I watched a documentary or some sort of teaching one time that they've found that there's actually been more white slaves in world history than there has been black slaves. So again, this doesn't prove anybody's color. However, according to like ancient records and, and names of places, it does seem that Ham's descendants went into the African regions, Shem's descendants stayed in the Middle East, and Shem is in the line of Jesus Christ, and Japheth's descendants went north and lived where the northern white-looking people are. 27. God enlargeth, enlargeth Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be their servant. Now this is kind of an interesting spiritual thing. God enlarges Japheth, meaning making him bigger, making him more powerful. So he's going to increase in power because the power that Canaan would have had is now going to go to Japheth. And this is similar to in the New Testament when God said to he who has little, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. And it was said about the unfaithful servant, the evil servant who didn't do what God told him to do. So Canaan is, you know, Ham's family. They were, Ham was evil. So his son, what, what Canaan would have had is going to be taken from him and given to Japheth. And Japheth will dwell in the tents of Shem which is interesting because Shem is in the line of Jesus Christ. So Shem, it's from Shem where all the Israelites come. The Hebrews, the Israelites, the Jewish people, whatever you want to call them. They all come from the line of Shem. And Christ preached the gospel to his own people first, the Jews. Then after Jesus ascended into heaven, his, his apostles, um, some of them preached to the Jews and some of them preached to the Gentiles. And then when the Gentiles heard the gospel, they came in to God's family. So Japheth represents the Gentiles, and Shem, uh, the Gentiles are living in Shem's tent, meaning the Christians become a part of the family of God, even though we're not biologically the chosen people. We're, we're in the tents of the chosen people. We're, we're become part of his family because we believe the gospel. And it says, let Canaan be their servant. So Canaan represents not black people, but anybody who disregards the gospel and doesn't get saved. They will be servants to sin, but the people who accept the gospel will dwell in the spiritual tents of the family of God, which is what Shem represents. So this, this is a great verse. 28. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. 29. And all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. And this concludes Genesis chapter 9.